You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, worship team. All who have participated in the service, and thank you. Our understanding of participating in the service doesn't end with the people on the platform. It is all of us participating. So, uh, by the way, if you are new here, you don't have um, your Bible with you, the text is on our digital bulletin. Um, I think this is correct. Uh, and you can find that at graceccnc.org. Graceccnc.org is our church website. Um, and I do want to just say, if you're relatively new at Grace and you've been wondering uh, a little bit about, you want more detail about what we believe, you're making uh, plans to think about joining the church, this weekend's Grace Connection class is a wonderful time for you to learn more about the ministry. My head may be going different ways today trying to keep out of the wind. Uh, so just follow along. You can close your eyes if you need to uh, while I try to unsuccessfully keep the wind out of the sound. Just over two months ago, uh, here at Grace, we launched a series of Sunday morning sermons titled, Conform to the Image of God's Son, Jesus. Today, we begin our initial descent into our destination, which will land us back in Romans 8, but we're just beginning the descent. Um, I actually did a little traveling this week, and so when they come on the, uh, the sound system on the airplane and they say, we have begun our initial descent into Raleigh-Durham, you realize you're not going to be landing in the next two or three minutes. It's going to be a while, probably 25, 30 minutes or so before you're going to be landing. So we have begun our initial descent to the end of this series. Our landing is going to take anywhere from five to eight weeks. Uh, and I just want to give myself plenty of time, probably five or six, but five to eight weeks. But it's going to be a rich descent as we cover truth in portions of Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. We open this morning in Romans 5, beginning with the word, therefore. In the first four chapters of Romans, the Apostle Paul offers a detailed description of what it means to be a Christian, providing a rich explanation of the gospel, which he summarizes in Romans 5, 1. We're going to get straight to our text, Romans 5, 1 through 11. So if you are able... I'm finding it increasingly difficult to get up and down from these long chairs. But if you are able, would you please stand for the reading of Scripture? You don't have to. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. 
and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into or poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, NBC. We'll focus our attention this morning on three blessings from God to his people, which are, one, the grace of God in Jesus that saves us, Romans 5, 1 to 2. The grace of God in Jesus that saves us, Romans 5, 1 and 2. Two, the hope of eternal life with which the Holy Spirit sustains us in our suffering. Romans 5, verses 3 to 5. The hope of eternal life with which the Holy Spirit sustains us in our suffering. Romans 5, 3 through 5. And then last, the love of God the Father that centers us. Romans 5, 6 through 11. The love of God the Father that centers us. Romans 5, 6 through 11. Hopefully, a few of the implications of our text that are embedded in these points will have jumped out at you. First, God is the benefactor. We are the beneficiary. He is the giver. We are the receiver. Second, uh, all members, all three members of the Trinity are involved in both our salvation and our sanctification. Third, there is nothing in our lives, get this, there is nothing in our lives that is more important than the truth we will imbibe from God's word this morning. I'm not saying nothing more important than this sermon. I'm just saying from the, the truth that's in the word that we're going to read today, nothing is more important. And, 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 and last, one last thing, it might not be derived from the points, but it's clearly seen in the text, is that while all three of these benefits, grace, hope, and love, are interwoven all through the text. It is God's love that will overwhelm us by the end. We will begin with the first point, the grace of God in Jesus that saves us. The Apostle Paul opens the book of Romans, standing on the firm foundation of the gospel, saying in Romans 1.16 that he is not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek or to Gentiles. 
After the introduction in the first 17 verses of chapter 1, we're told in explicit detail from Romans 1, 18 through 3, too many, that all people are estranged from God because of sin. But then the good news in Romans 3, 21 through 26, this is a passage that a lot of scholars say is the most important passage of scripture in all the Bible, Romans 3, 21 to 26. Read it later and see if you can understand why. But, but Paul here talks that about Jesus' blood serving as a propitiation for all who believe in his sacrificial death. Propitiation simply means that the wrath of God, wrath that we've already read about in Romans 5, 9, the wrath of God has been satisfied in Jesus' sacrifice, the, the sacrifice that we remembered this morning, that we participated in according to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the, the body and the blood of Christ, not the literal body and blood, but we entered into communion with him and with one another in a special way when we partook of the elements this morning. Um, so propitiation means that God's wrath Toward righteous wrath toward sin was turned away from us. And remember, from a few weeks ago, for those of you who were not here, why, why, why all this talk about the wrath of God? God can no more, a holy and righteous God can no more allow sin into his presence than we could allow a known serial killer who is active in his killing to live in our homes. We couldn't do that. And God is... The, there's no comparison. It's, our sin is so much more of an offense to God than, than that would be to us. And, and you can imagine, it's one of the most horrific things you could imagine. So God's wrath was turned aside. In fact, I love the way John Stott says it. The wrath of God was exhausted on Jesus. So when you, as a believer, sin and you think, how could I just know that the wrath of God was exhausted on Jesus. Confess your sins and the Lord forgives you. But you're always in his family if you belong to him because Jesus' blood was a propitiation, satisfaction for our sins. Well, from Romans 3, 27 through the end of chapter 4, Paul emphasizes the role and importance of faith. And he essentially says, Anybody is a candidate. Interesting that a number of people that the culture may cancel are prime candidates to be brought into God's family. The faith, faith in Jesus Christ, death on the cross, our willingness to repent and to call out to God in faith that we believe Jesus' sacrifice was done for us, it was, his death was in our place, a substitute for us, then we immediately become children of God. That brings us to Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justification and peace are two concepts that are currently on the minds and the lips of many in our day. We feel justified in our political or our personal positions, and we long for peace, which means we long for everybody to agree with us and for everybody just get over themselves and just whatever I believe, you, have, you need to believe as well. 
Both major political parties in our land will tell you that only if you vote for them will our land heal. And only then will we have peace. Thus, they justify their actions to prove or to pursue and even produce this elusive peace. It is striking how religious we are in our pursuit of a more perfect union, whether those of us in pursuit of perfection has a lot of noise, claim to be religious or not. Can I switch? Geo, can I switch to one of these? Probably be better. This one okay? This one okay? All right, good. Let me turn this other one off. I've got a microphone in my hand, and as you know, that makes me want to start walking. <laughs> so, uh, well, our pursuit of peace, our need for justification should tell us something about our greatest need of which many nonetheless are unaware. <laughs> we have this overwhelming longing in our souls and we're trying every way possible to get it filled. But we just keep coming up empty. We will most need to be justified, not, not on social media, not in, in class or in the group, we will most need to be justified on the day we stand before our Creator, as all will. Our feelings or our narrative is not going to be sufficient justification when that day comes. Only the blood of Christ will suffice. We have already been informed in the early chapters of Romans that nothing we can do will be good enough to bring us favor with God. That's why God, sent, God the Father sent Jesus <coughs> to be the perfect sacrifice for sin. When we confess that we are sinners and believe that Jesus died for our sins, calling out to him to save us, only then will we be able to stand in his presence sinless. It is God's grace alone that saves us. Nothing we can do for him or for others will save us. Verse 2 tells us that God's grace not only affords us entry into the very presence of a holy God, our holy God, but we also stand in this grace, enjoying unrestricted access to God the Father, just like a child who can come into the king when no one else can. We do not fall in and out of favor of the king. Our position is secure. When God looks at those whose faith is in Jesus, he sees his son. He sees Jesus. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus, and he is pleased. 2 Corinthians 3.18, a verse that's already been referenced in this 
series tells us that the Holy Spirit transforms us into the glorious image of Jesus as we seek God in his word and as we soak in that word. We rejoice and give thanks for the grace of God in Jesus that saves us. That's our first point. The second is this. We give thanks for the hope of eternal life with which the Holy Spirit sustains us in our suffering. I don't even know why we want to spend time here. I'm sure nobody is suffering in our day. At the beginning of this series, in Romans 8, we learned that hope in the New Testament is not an early hope, an earthly hope. I mean, such as, I hope the Carolina Panthers will win at least four games this year. It's not that kind of hope. Or hope there'll be good weather for the picnic. The hope that is promised to us in the New Testament is a settled assurance in our hearts that we will spend eternity with Jesus because our sins have been forgiven. I hope you were able to read Paul Tripp's Wednesday Word this past week. If you don't receive this short devotional, I promise you, it's not only is it worth your time, you will not be disappointed. I doubt seriously anybody would say, well, thanks a lot for giving me something else to do. If you read this just a little three or four minute devotional once a week, you will be blessed. You can sign up for it at paultrip.com. There are two P's in trip, paultrip.com. This week, Trip laments the eternity amnesia that afflicts so many believers. One of the reasons that we fail to embrace the full salvation that God has given us is that we live with a destination mentality rather than with a preparation mentality. We seek all our happiness, all our pleasure, all our purpose in this life only rather than than living and embracing the fullness of life that God has given us in Christ, a life that stretches into eternity. Our story, your story, is only partly told in this life. This life is barely a blink of our existence. If we took a minute to just be silent and said, okay, think about it. That's your life in comparison with eternity. That minute, if you're just thinking, man, I'm uncomfortable with silence, you would be uncomfortable. But if you're thinking, okay, I'm going to try to think of this as my life. That, that's what our life is. It's just a minute. And it doesn't matter if, <clears throat> if we die very young or very old. It's only a small portion, and our story is only partly told in the here and now. We must not waste this life because even though it's a moment, a great deal rides on eternity based on how we live this life. Our, our Entrance into heaven is through our belief in Christ. But if we are drawn by the Holy Spirit and we believe in Jesus, we're not going to just live any way we want to. We can't live carelessly. And I hope you are as happy as I am that God will not allow me to get away with living any way that I want to. Since 
we are prone to waste our lives. Even without knowing it, God graciously refocuses our attention when it's needed. One of the ways that God strengthens our hope and increases our desire to see Jesus face to face is through trials. Notice the progression in Romans 3, uh, Romans 5, verses 3 to 5. And notice that we are to rejoice in suffering in the same way we have rejoiced in the, in the knowledge that we are justified in Christ and that we have immediate access, always have access to the Lord. He says, in the same manner, with that same passion, rejoice in your sufferings. Verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces character or endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And that hope, remember, our assurance of eternal life. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The primary focus of these verses is the opposition that we experience because we are followers of Jesus. And that opposition is increasing dramatically in our day. I read it all the time. Christians are associated with everything bad that's happening in our land. Jesus suffered through his trial, his death, his resurrection, and ascension. He suffered through his trial and death, and then in resurrection and, and ascension, he received glory. And thus, we suffer, and glory is associated with our suffering. Many believers assume the way to glory is to change the world. But the world will never accept our beliefs, much less ask us to take the lead in changing the world. Anytime you think the world is looking for Christians to take the lead, it's a mirage. It, it, it's not going to last. The world doesn't want our remedy, and we suffer because of that. But when the world opposes you, rather than giving in to, dis to discouragement, rather than wallowing in shame, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. He doesn't give us that shame. He puts in our hearts the hope and he gives us a deep desire for others to know Jesus in the ways that he has allowed us to know Jesus and caused us to know Jesus. Don't give in to discouragement. Rather, rejoice that his favor, his grace is upon you. And it's displayed through Jesus' death and resurrection and through the suffering in your life that binds you ever more closely to Jesus and to one another. Isn't it interesting that when we come to, to, to church, we're not told to remember Jesus' birth, his incarnation, nor are we told to remember his resurrection, his ascension. We're told to remember his death. And as we suffer, we are drawn more and more into that identity with Christ. So the world may mock you for your belief, but the Holy Spirit will make sure that you are not ashamed, even as you bear the shame of the cross. Shame in the eyes of the world, but glory in you. As Paul said, I 
God forbid that I glory except in the cross of Christ, by whom I am crucified to the world and the world is crucified to me. The Lord's tender care in molding you into Jesus' image and increasing your longing to be with him often comes through suffering for your faith. But God uses all forms of suffering to form the life of Christ in us. Suffering in the 21st century, it's almost a contradiction. And with all of our advances, we still suffer. With all of the advances in the last century, according to some, analgesics and anesthesia have improved our quality of life more than anything else. So we tend to be surprised with pain, right? Pain of any kind. Most of you, when you get a headache, you take ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and it's better. Some of you, it doesn't touch it. You've got heavy drugs. And if that doesn't work, you go to sleep. We avoid pain at all costs, and understandably so. <clears throat> and, and, and a lot of people, when, when they have this extreme pain that, that nothing seems to touch, they go looking for answers, but, but we can't find the answers that we desire and you know why? Because the Bible is not an answer book. It's a covenant book. We see our problems, try to make sense of them. But the Bible is about telling us what our problem is. Our problem is sin. And either we believe that or we don't believe it. And if you think, I keep reaching out to God, but he's just not there. You're right. He's not there. He's here. In his word. This is where we find him. But what he's trying to tell us isn't always what we're wanting to hear. And our hearts, though in suffering, find clarity sometimes. It moves us away or toward God. But we always are called and required to believe the word. Fortunately, the author of scripture, the Holy Spirit, lives in our hearts. And he builds perseverance and character into our souls. And a longing and homesickness for heaven in our hearts. If you think the only thing that matters is what's happening in your life and in our world today, perhaps you've never experienced pain that analgesics are unable to relieve. Perhaps you have not experienced abuse or the rejection of a loved one. Or if you have, maybe you have allowed, as is so easy to do, your heart to become bitter and grow cold. And that has poisoned your soul. I understand how easy it is to be consumed by grief and tempted to bitterness. And so maybe this is a moment you need to just give that pain to the Lord. Oh, I know it won't last. Give it to the Lord in faith. And when the pain comes back and you, you're tempted to bitterness, you're tempted to despair, give it to him again. There's one more 
point in this sermon. But I want us to just right now take time. Let's just bow our heads if you would. Close your eyes. And whatever that thing that is so painful for you, whatever it is, whether it's physical, emotional, relational, emotional, just put it in the hands of the Lord, the gracious, wise, loving hands of the Lord. Would you do that? Amen. We are blessed with the grace of God in Jesus that saves us. We are blessed with hope through which the Holy Spirit sustains us in our suffering. And last, we are blessed with the love of God the Father that centers us. Romans 5, 6 through 11. It, it is the mistake of many even Christians sometimes, to picture God the Father as stern and exacting while viewing God the Son as gentle and full of love. You, you get the sense that some people think Jesus had to talk the Father into dying for us. It was like, I, I, but it was the love of God the Father. It was His plan to send Jesus into the world to die for sinners. Does Jesus love us? Of course he does. But it was the Father's love for us that motivated him to send Jesus into the world and to the cross. Bask in his love for you as I read Romans 5, 6 through 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. God's love was beautifully captured in the early 20th century hymn, The Love of God by Frederick Lehman. And doctors Rand Whitley and David Calvert will close our service with this beautiful hymn.
love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God sent his son to win his erring child. He reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made were every stock on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.